Well, look at the person sitting beside you, say, I'm glad you are here today. Go ahead and tell them, say, I'm glad you are here today. Look at the other person, the second person, say, hey, I'm glad you're here too. I didn't say it to you, but I'm glad you are here too. You know, if it's your first time, first time in a long time, we are one church in three locations. We have three physical locations, and because of technology, we're able to broadcast that all over the region, which we're so thankful for. But today's a very special day, because I've asked our campus pastors to actually to preach live uh, to their congregation, to their, to their church, and so we're really excited. So today, Pastor Ann and Pastor Derek are is preaching this message to their, to their congregation, so I'm really excited about that for them, because they love, they're great preachers, and they get the opportunity to preach to their community and preach about how to bless their city. So I'm really super pumped about that for them. And so if you think about it, you could pray for them because this is Derek's first time in Ashland to preach to the community there. And so he's really excited about it. And uh, man, it's been awesome working on the sermon together this week with the team. And so I'm really believing they're gonna do an awesome job this morning. So as you think about them throughout you know, the morning, pray for them because I know they get a little bit nervous about it, but they have the opportunity and I'm sure the people are gonna love them and respond to them as well. So if you have your Bible, I want you to go with me to Jeremiah chapter 29. This is an Old Testament passage. If you have to go to the front of the Bible, that's fine. If you have your app, you can download that as well and follow with me. I'm using the NET, uh, the New English Translation this morning for that in case you're on your Bible app. Uh, but in Jeremiah 29, it's a very famous passage. It has a very famous verse. You're going to see this just in a moment. But I have a question before uh, we get there while you're turning. Why are you here in Moorhead? Like, I literally want you to think of it. It's not a trick question. Why are you here in this city? Like, why this city? I want you to think about that just for a moment. Why are you here in this city? Could it be because you went to school here or you're going to school here and our college is out and we love our college students. They're all tuning in over the summer. And man, what uh, God's doing through our college ministry right now is just unbelievable. Brandon and Kelly is doing an amazing job leading that. We have a couple hundred college students once a month packing this place out and lives are being changed. And so we're so thankful for that generation. But why, why are you, is it because of a job? Maybe you graduated and you found a job or you just fell in love with the city and you know you have a paycheck, so a paycheck is what keeps you here. Like really, why are you in this city? Maybe it's family. Maybe say, hey, my parents are from here and you know I just thought I was always gonna be in Moorhead, this is the city, or whatever city you're watching from online. You know, why are you in that city? Maybe it's generational. Maybe your great-grandparents, right, from up Cranston, and, and your mom lives over there in Rollton area, I mean, and, and, and you're in a different place or a different location, and, and you're thinking, hey, this is, my grandparents live here, my mom here, I'm just born and raised, I'm just, I'm around county all the way through, or Moorhead all the way through, this is just my city. So it may be generational. Maybe it's because it has gas station hibachi. Can I get a witness? I mean, that's one reason, right, to love this area, right? I mean, just come on. You love this because you love gas station hibachi, you know? Maybe that's why you are here. But that's, that's a really big question that you need to, to really wrestle with today is why are you in this city? Like, why are you here? Why this city? Because here's the route. You can live in any city you choose to live into. You can move to any place you want to move. You can go to school, any school you want to go to right now. You can pick your family up and you can go to another place and you can find a job and you can find a place to live. If you can't find a house, you can at least rent for a while. But every one of you right now have the free will and the choice to go choose any city to live in, but you choose to live here. Why? Why here? Like, I mean, and, and more than just a job and more just because my family, more because I met my bride here, more because I went to school here, more because, you know, I finally got a paycheck and this is why I'm, it has to be bigger than that. Why are you here? 
You know, Moorhead is the, is, the, is the first city I've lived the longest in my entire life. I calculated it. I've moved to 13 different locations. Some of those locations have been in the same city, but I lived in Moorhead longer than any place I've ever lived in my entire life for the last 45 years of my life. And when I came to college here and I graduated, I met, my, I met Jesus and met my bride, and uh, we wanted to stay in Moorhead. We wanted to stay here. But my wife got a job in her hometown there in Cyrusville, and it was a great job, and I said, hey, let's go there. And, and I started working in computer networks. I thought maybe this is where to go. And my wife looked at me, and here's what she said. She said, someday we're gonna be back in Moorhead, and I believe you're gonna be doing collegiate ministry. She thought me doing more reaching out to college students on campus. She was, I see you being in a collegiate type role, reaching college students someday. Well, God has sent us to Cyrusville, we were there, and I ministered in Paintsville and, and pastored in Cyrusville for a while, and the Lord told us to come back here to plant a church. However, it was on February the 6th, 2007. I dropped my wife off on campus for a meeting. I was driving off the campus, and immediately something just overwhelmed me, and I began to weep, and I broke, and I started praying and crying out for the city. I pulled the car over on the side of the road and began to weep for Moorhead, Kentucky, and for the campus, and you didn't even know that. Two days later on February the 8th, I brought my wife back again for a meeting here on campus, dropped her off, same thing happened again. Completely just overwhelmed and wept and my heart broke for the city, my heart broke for the campus. I came back and I called a, a guy who was here working around doing some ministry work and, and God used that conversation and said, now it's time to go because God spoke to us and told us in 2004 that we were gonna come back here and plant a church, but it wasn't until the summer of 2007, almost 15 years ago from the day we started meeting with the the inner core team. And so God broke my heart for this city. God broke my heart for this campus. I'm here because God has called me and led me here, and I don't want you to leave today without you understanding the same calling has been placed on your life as well. You are not here because of tradition, because of generation, because of a job, because of a school, because you got a scholarship, because you started, whatever it may be, it's bigger than that. There's a reason that God has brought you to this city that's bigger than what you may just, you know, we talk around and say because of a family, a job, or college, whatever it may be. Or hey, it's just a great place to live. Or hey, it's just a good place to raise a family. And so we are here, my family and I, we're here because God broke my heart for this place. God called me to this place. And I, and I, I hope that if you ever leave or, or move, go to a place, that you feel the same way as a follower of Jesus it's because God has called you there. Listen, I teach this all the time. You don't run away from something, you run to something. You don't run away from this area, you run to a calling that God has put in your life. And every one of you have a purpose and every one of you have a calling. And the sad thing is most people go to their grave and they have no idea what their purpose is. They have no idea why God placed them in the city or the cities or the cities that you will be in for the rest of your life. We don't know that. We have no idea where the Lord will move. If you're truly following after Jesus, you always open up your hands and say, God, wherever you want me to go, I'll go. I'll do whatever you want me to do. I'll give whatever you want me to give. I'll say whatever you want me to say because you're a follower of Jesus and he's your king and he's your master. And so if you're gonna submit to his lordship and he asks you to pick your family up and move to another city or to another state or to another country, then he is the king and he's the control because he has a purpose for you there. There's something that he wants you to accomplish, to do, or achieve. And I promise it's bigger than your education and your paycheck or your family ties. It has to be something greater because the reality is this, God picked you. I say this all the time and you know this, you can't pick the family you're born into, you can't pick the generation, you can't pick your skin color, you can't pick your nationality. You can pick none of that. You cannot pick when you come into this world. 
God placed you in the generation, in the time, at your age, and your skin color, and your nationality, just in, in who you are, and everything about you, because there's a specific purpose. There is no mistake when it comes to God. He puts you right where he wants you to be. He chose that. You can't choose that. So not only did he pick you, but he has also placed you. You are not a mistake. He had you here on a purpose, with a purpose, and for a purpose. And I want you to get that today. I want you to leave here and wrestle with what is my purpose? Because it's bigger than what the reason that you may think that you're in this city or why you are living here, no matter if you've been here for one year, your whole year, or you're just passing through on a contract job for the next two years. There's a reason why you are here. Now, here's the most famous verse in Jeremiah. This verse you've seen on, on shirts, on cards, on plaques. Anywhere you go, I know you have seen this verse, Jeremiah 29, 11. In fact, just by mention, you can quote in whatever translation you remembered in. The NET says this, for I know what I have planned for you, says the Lord. Now, don't miss that. God says, if you're a Christ follower, if you truly believe that Jesus is your Lord, he says, for I know all the plans that I have for you. I know when you are born and I know when you will die. I know all in between, I know all your mistakes, I know your struggles, I know your successes. I know when you need this, when you don't need this, and when you move here and when I move there. I know everything I have and I know all the plans that I have for you. Do you believe that? Like do you really truly believe that? I have no, all the plans that I have for you, says the Lord. And look what he says, plans to prosper you, not to harm you. I have plans to give you a future filled with hope. Now we wanna quote that and we wanna feel good about ourselves and we wanna say, see, God's gonna prosper me, God's not gonna harm me, God's got a plan for me and God's gonna give me a life filled with hope. But if you would just stop for a moment, this is what I always encourage you to do if you're gonna be a good Bible student, is you can't take one verse out of context. You can make, listen, everybody has a verse. Everybody has a verse. The Democrats and the Republicans have the same verse. Y'all know that, don't you? They have the same verses. They use the same verses on the different things. Everyone has a verse, but you can't just take a verse and cherry pick it out of context and throw it at someone without understanding the context of what is happening. So this is a great verse that we wanna read, right? When we're down and out, when you have challenged from a sermon, why are you hearing like, well, God knows the plans for me. He's not gonna harm me. He's gonna prosper me. We all like that part, right? And he's got me a hope and a future filled with his great, great hope that's in him. But when you understand the context of this verse, who's he talking to in this verse, how did it apply there, then how does it work for us? Well, here's the context. You remember, right, Moses leads them out of bondage. Moses dies, he doesn't make it to the promised land. Joshua takes them on over into the promised land. They're in the promised land, right, flowing with milk and honey. Milk and, they're living high on the hog, they say. I mean, everything is great, life is good, but they didn't do what God called them to do. And God called them to be a, a nation that reflects his glory so that all the other nations will see that he is the one true God. That's not what happened. You know what happened? The Israelites started mocking the other cultures. They started looking at the other gods. They started worshiping false idols. Exactly what God did not want them to do. So God says, I took you to the promised land, but now I'm about to take you back out. And so what God allowed King Nebuchadnezzar, y'all heard about King Nebuchadnezzar, right? And, the, and the Meshach, Meshach and Abednego, all those guys in the furry fire, all that. So God used them, watch this, to go to the Israelites and take them in captivity and pull them into Babylon. 
So they go into the promised land. Life's good. I'm in my city, right? Eat, drink, be merry. Everything's great. But they were disobeying God because they looked like the culture. They worshiped the culture. They were exactly worshiping the false idols. God says, no, 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 no. My people are going to reflect my glory. And so God allows the Babylons to go and take them into captivity and keep them in bondage for 70 years. Well, in Jeremiah chapter 28, a false prophet named Hananiah comes around going, thus saith the Lord, God says in the next 24 months, and two years, he's gonna release you Israelites and send you back into the promised land. And that guy was a false prophet because that is not what God said. In fact, God calls him out in Jeremiah chapter 29 and says, no, um, bro, they ain't gonna be here no two years. They're gonna be here 70 years, Jeremiah 29 verse 10. 70 years. So you imagine that. Life's good. Flowing with milk and honey. And now God takes you to Babylon. In captivity, in bondage, living amongst your enemies. Living in a wicked, godless society. And God puts you there. God puts you right there. And so when you look at the context of Jeremiah 29, 11, he just put them in captivity, living among the wicked pagans, and listen what he says to them. I know the plans that I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans not to harm you. I'm gonna prosper you. I'm gonna give you a future, and I'm gonna give you hope, a future filled with hope. But for the next 70 years, you're gonna be in bondage. You're gonna be living amongst wicked, godless pagans around you. Now, if you were an older generation person, you knew you were gonna die in Babylon. Because when he said 70 years, you're sitting there calculating going, man, I don't know if Pilates is gonna do it for me, you know what I'm saying? Like, I mean, that fat-free diet, you know, like, I don't know if that's gonna work. Because the reality is, you're gonna die in captivity. But we have this verse here, right? We wanna take it out and feel good about it. God's like, listen, here's why. I'm gonna send you into bondage. But I want you to know this, I'm your God. I'm your Lord, and I'm gonna take care of you. I'm not gonna harm you. I got a plan for you. Greater than what you think Hananiah was saying over in chapter 28, that's a false prophet, and he spoke up against him. So God says, you're gonna live in this foreign land, and you're gonna be here for the next 70 years. So what does God tell them to do when they moved into a city that they didn't wanna live in? What did God want them to do when they lived among a godless pagan society? Babylon. What did God tell them to do? So you're in a city that's not your city, it's not your, your exiles, you're a foreigner, and you're living in the city that's a godless city. What do you think your heavenly father, what do you think God told them to do? Retreat, hide, run, stay in your hut? Listen to what he tells them to do. Jeremiah 29, verse four. That was all background. If y'all ready to get started, so let's go. All right, here we go, verse four. The Lord of heaven armies, the God of Israel, says to all those he sent into exile to Babylon from Jerusalem. Can I just stop right there and don't want you to miss this. Don't miss what he says right there. He sent them there. And I don't want none of you to leave this place this morning understanding that God has sent you here. Whatever reason you may think it is, because you got married, you got a job, you went to school, you started a business, whatever you think, it's a great place to live, a hibachi in a gas station. Like whatever you think it is, I want you to understand this and you can never let this part go. He has sent you here. You need to ask the question, why? 
Why here? Why now? What purpose does he have? He sent them into exile to Babylon, verse five. Here's what it says. Build houses. Settle down. Plant gardens. Eat what they produce. Marry. Have sons. Have daughters. Find wives for your sons. Allow your daughters to get married so they too can have sons and daughters. Grow in numbers. Multiply. Do not dwindle away. Now think about this. God's like, you're gonna be here for a while. 70 years. We don't know how long we're gonna be here. God hasn't told me and you. God hasn't come down and said, listen, for the next 30 years, you're gonna live in Moorhead, so you better make it your home, and you better settle down, build a house, you know, start a business, plant gardens, do all that stuff, get in the community, find some things and move out because you're gonna be here for the next 30 years. Wouldn't that be nice if God just kind of gave us that idea and plan? But you don't know that. We don't know how long we're gonna be here. God could call us home today. We have no idea. But while you're in the city, build homes, plant gardens, marry, have children, raise them up, multiply. What does this look like? I like to put it like this. He says, I want you to build and live. Here's what he's trying to say. The city that God's placed you in, settle down and put down roots. You know how many people come by and say, man, I just think I'm here temporary. I'm just waiting to see what God wants to do in my life. And I, I got a job. I'm just waiting to see what my next place to go. Five years later, how's it going? Well, I'm just still waiting for God to show up. No, I want to see where he wants me to go. 10 years later, it's like, man, you know, I could already build a house. I could already done this. I could already settle down. And like now, I got, we're just gonna call Moorhead home. And God says, wherever I put you, here's what I want you to do. I want you to settle down. I want you to put in roots. Wherever I move you, he can move you. At any place, at any time. I want you to cultivate life in a, death, in a dead place because you're a follower of Jesus. So wherever I send you, it's your home. It's your home. That's where I want you to be at the time. Well, God, I'm only here for a couple years. Make it your home. I'm only here for four years of college. For like for me, four and a half. Don't judge. Make it your home. Make it your home. Wherever I send you, I want you to plant and eat. What's this mean? This exile is gonna be a while. Cultivate, improve, make life better. Provide for yourself. What are you saying? Don't be lazy. Don't be lazy to where I put you. Don't be lazy. Don't wait around going, I'm just waiting for a job to come. God's just gonna show up. He's gonna send me to another city because I can't stand this city. I don't like Moorhead. I wanna get out of here because my family's small town. I wanna get to a big town. Like, I'm just waiting for God to show up. I'm just waiting to get out of here. He says, no, while you're there, don't be lazy. Get a job. Start to work. Get ready. Just in case, if I'm ready to move you, I'll move you when I want to move you. Listen, you're not here by mistake, and I want you to understand. He says, be fruitful and multiply. What is he saying? I want you to go and have babies. I want you to fill the city. I want you to grow. I want, I want, I want, I want you to multiply. Watch this. What does it say just that? God made us in his image. I want you to be image bearers of mine among a godless pagan society. I want them to see me in you. So I want you to raise up children to follow the one true Yahweh, I want you to raise up children to follow Jesus today so that, watch this, we begin to change a city, change a culture, change a society. This is how we change the world. Does it start in the pulpit? Does it start at school? It starts at home. Home. I hear all the time people say, this young generation, and I'm like, whoa, whoa, go look in the mirror. You raised them. You raised them. Have you thought about that? The people you complain about, you raised them. You made them that way, right? You allowed that. Listen, it starts at a home. So God said, look, this is the institution. I'm gonna start in the home. This is where it begins. So we raise up children to follow after Jesus. 
We don't outsource them to the church. We don't outsource them to our school. Mom, dad, this is your responsibility. You raise them up. We are just supplements. We're help to God. We're help to coach. We're help to help. But it starts at home. He says, go and be fruitful, multiply, raise up children to be godly children. Watch this, in the midst of a pagan, godless Babylon society. This is how you begin to reveal my glory to a lost and dying world. So what about us today as believers? And how does that apply to us today? Well, the scripture says, guess what? This is not our home. That we are citizens of heaven. I love what Peter writes, reflecting on this passage, I believe. He says in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 11, dear friends, I urge you, watch this, he's talking to me and you, who are followers of Jesus, as foreigners and exiles, this is not our home. This world is not our home. That's why something within you always yearns for something more because this world will never fulfill what God intended to fulfill in our life. Only he can do that. He says, watch this, as foreigners and exiles, here's what I want you to do. Christians, followers of Jesus, living in a pagan, godless society, I want you to abstain from sinful desires which wage war against your soul. I'll talk about that at the end of June. Live such good lives among the pagans, Babylon, the city, that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and watches and glorify God who will return someday, who will visit us again, who will come back and get his people. So how I live in the city reflects how what I believe about God. How are you living in your city? How do you act in your city? Why are you in this city? What are you waiting on in this city to do to become or for God to show up and ask you to do? There's a reason you are here and I don't want you to miss it. I don't want you to underestimate the sovereignty of God who picked you, who placed you for a reason. And it may be bad circumstances that landed you right here, but you're here for a reason. And that's what I love about Jesus. He can take all of our bad stuff, he can take all of our bad decisions, and he can use it for his good and his glory and change the place where you are located if you will allow them. Here's the, here's the sad thing, though. This is very unfortunate. The hard thing today is that the world hardly can tell the difference between someone who says they're a Christian and someone who is not. And it's sad. It's sad. You can't tell the difference. This is not our home. We're foreigners. We're exiles. We should act if I love what the King James Version says, that we are a peculiar group of people. We respond in love, not with hate. You see what I'm saying? Like, we, we're different. We forgive how many times? Over and over and over because we've been forgiven. Like we're supposed to look different, but the world can't tell the difference between a person who says they're a Christian and someone who is not a Christian. I'm gonna talk about that in our series in August. More about that later. Go back to Jeremiah, verse seven. Look what he says. Here's what he tells the people to do. Work, work, to see that the city where I sent you, who sent you, God sent you, and he sent you here, as exiles enjoys peace, and prosperity and pray to the Lord for it, for as it prospers, you will 
prosper. This is fascinating. God says, listen, you thought you had it made in the milk and honey flowing in the promised land. I'm now gonna send you to a godless pagan society and here's what I want you to do. I don't want you to retreat. I don't want you to run in your hut. I want you to get out and work. I want you to marry. I want you to start businesses. I want you to have jobs. I want you to get involved in leadership. I want you, watch it, to pray to me to bless the city for if the city prospers, you will prosper. And you're sitting there going, you want me to pray that a pagan, godless society prospers because it blesses me, blesses you? God, what are you up to? And God says, if you'll do these things for the next 70 years, you wait and see what I'll do and reflect my glory to these people. So I want you, while you're amongst the city that you're in, I want you to put down roots. I want you to work. I want you to, to pray for I want you to see the welfare of the prosperity of the city because if it's prosper, so will you. If the city is blessed, you're gonna get blessed. Let's do this together. And let watch this. I want you as Christians, I want you as followers of Yahweh, he was saying this fact, I want you to lead the charge. So while you're here, let's make it happen. So what does that mean for you? How does that change your reality today, living in your city? And some of you drive from other cities when you come here, the place that you call home. Maybe you're watching online, the place that you call home. What can you do in your city? Real quick, here's a few things you could do. The first thing that I would encourage you to do is just what God told them to do, is that you need to do this, pray for the city. When's the last time you prayed for our city? When's the last time you really got on your face before a holy, righteous God and begged God to pour out his spirit on this city? When? The city that you love, the city that you live in, the city that you raise your family, the city that, this, the city that you send your kids to school in. Like, when did you get before God and you pray for God to bless our city, to protect our city, to help our city, to lead our city, to pull out your presence in our community? See, we don't pray, we complain. We sit around and complain about all the bad things that's going on all the problems. We complain, we don't pray. And so when's the last time I'm encouraged you to start praying for your city? When's the last time you started praying for your leaders and start bashing them on Facebook? That's a real godly thing to do, by the way, right? You see what I'm saying? They don't know, how, how do you know the difference? When's the last time you prayed for the person you didn't even vote for? You better be praying for them. They need it. Leaders need it. Officials need it. Our officers need it. Our people who are on the front lines, they need it. When's the last time you prayed for the people in our city that God would protect and bless our city? Well, I don't agree with this. I don't agree with that. And they raised this up and they did this and they want to vote that. When's the last time you prayed for them besides complaining about them? You see, see we get so numb and blinded to the things around us. Like, People, when I was, I couldn't wait to get to Moore. I, I can't, I, man, when we moved to Moore, I just couldn't wait. I said, I can't wait. And all the people I met said, I'm just trying to get out of here, man. I'm just trying, I've been here too long, small town. I'm just trying to get out. I'm trying to get out. I'm like, I can't wait to get in. Because I'm going to wait and see what God wants to do. I want to see what God wants to create this, this, this movement that's going to be regional 15 years ago. And we've already seen it from here to Ashland. And we're praying where God wants to do what's next. So when you can see the positive things and you can see the potential, when's the last time you prayed for the prosperity of our city? He says, go and I want you to pray for the city. Start praying for your city. 
Start begging God to move in our city. Here's the second thing. Be present in the city. Are you present in our city? You saw this right here, right? He told you, what did he say? I want you to get out, I want you to work, I want you to get jobs, I want you to raise gardens, I want you to sell produce, I want you to raise a family, I want you to go to school. You're gonna marry, you're gonna, all this stuff. Listen, I want you to be present in the city. Don't you go and hide, don't retreat. I want you to be present in the city. Are you present in the city? Which means this, are you building relationships? Are you inviting people over to your house to build relationships with people, to get to know people, to help people, to serve people? Are you talking to people? Or every time you go to a soccer game or a game, you sit there and you're on your phone the whole time just looking at it waiting because you won't talk to the people around you. And maybe the reason why God put that person right beside you at that game is to have a conversation with them. I know if you know this or not, some of you would be new to our church, but I was at a basketball game four years ago in Lexington, sitting there, cheering for my son. The guy beside me was cheering for the other team, his son. I said, hey, what's up? He had a uniform on, so I submitted to him. Because what you do when somebody has a uniform on. He was a city police officer for Lexington. We started talking. I said, how's it going? How's it going? I said, what do you do? What do you do? I said, it's a pastor of church. Pastor, oh gosh, that's crazy. I'm getting ready to retire two years from the force and I'm gonna plant a church. I was like, you gonna plant a church? We plant a church, you plant a church? Are you playing? I'm like, you're crazy, man. This is crazy. What do you mean you're playing? Yeah, what are you going to do? We're playing right here in Lexington. Man, what are you going to do? We're going to reach people. And I'm like, man, that's awesome, dude. I hope we beat you. My kid's better. But anyway, man, that's awesome. Like, like, this is cool. I said, what's your name? I said, give me your number. I said, I'm going to pray for you. On the way home, God says, I want you to go home. I want you to tell Better Life Church we're going to support this guy. Never met him. I had no idea. I didn't know what denomination. He wanted to reach the city of Lexington. We called him up here one night. Said, once you come here, we just want, I want to introduce you to the church. He had no idea. Him and his wife's on the stage, and we hand him a check for $10,000 to go help him start a church. It's the first person that gave them money to launch their church. And because of your generosity and your obedience to Christ, there's a church plant in Lexington that you have no idea what's about, who are reaching people for Jesus, who are growing. Watch this. Because of your generosity, because of an encounter sitting at a ball game, somebody beside me that I wasn't spending my time on my phone, but I wanna have a conversation to say, but maybe God is working around me. Don't waste your life and don't waste time. There's a purpose and a reason why you're, there's a purpose and a reason you sit beside somebody. You bump it, and you know this, right? You've crossed paths. How did we cross paths? Remember, we've done this a long time. Like, man, God must be working. Small world, small world. No, it's a big God. And he is doing this, and he is orchestrating all this for a purpose greater than your paycheck, your education, or your family ties. And you and we have to understand what is that. We need to be present in the city. We need to get, start a group, start a life group, invite people to your house, get people in a group. Why? There's reasons for this. We need to be present in the city. And then thirdly and lastly, we need to participate. We need to participate. We need to get involved. We sit here and complain. You complain about the schools, get on the school board. You complain about the officials, become an elected official. You complain about the problems, become the leader. You complain about how they coach, become a coach. You don't like how they yell and scream and cuss at your kid, show them a different way to do it. I'm all about hard coaching. I think there's a way you could do it. Quit complaining about it, you become it. And maybe the reason why you see the problem is because God wants you to do something about it. You're sick and tired of seeing trash on the side of the road every time you drive home, maybe because God says get you a bag and get out there and pick it up. That's why you see it. 
When you see it, you complain about it, it might be because the Lord has put that on your heart. You wanna see something change, whatever he pricks your heart with, he might want you to take the control. He might want you to lead it. You don't have to come ask, can we start a garbage pickup movement? No, do it. Be the church, be who God's called you to be. Hey, we're thinking about starting this and re do it. Make it happen. That might be the reason why you see it. It's because God wants you to lead it. Like what breaks your heart? When you go through our city, what breaks your heart? If you say, uh, really nothing, it's because it's hardened. Because no, no matter how good a city is, this is a godless, pagan society world that we live in that hates Jesus, that hates the things of God. And God has called us foreigners, exiles. We're citizens of heaven, temporary residents to make a difference. Participate in the city. Quit complaining. Get involved. God's called us to love our city. Even while we're in exile, we don't retreat in despair. We don't rise up in militia and try to overthrow it. We don't run, we press in. We don't hide, we reveal. And what do we reveal? The glory of God. And when our cities see that in us and our good deeds, Peter says, what will they do? Oh, what a great church. Man, what a great God those people serve. And little by little, time over time, raising up children, follow after Jesus. Watch this. We could begin to change a godless, pagan society starting at home when they see us be present in the city, participate in the city, get on our hands and knees and beg God for our city. Follow Jesus in our city and we raise up an entire generation that raises up an entire generation and it may start with us. It may start with you. Some of you, you wanna be in Moorhead. Some of you, you're trying your best to get out of here and you can't wait. And I just wanna encourage you, wherever God has you, bloom where you're planted. Grow where you're planted. And if God found Moses on the back of the desert to send him where he wanted him to go, I promise you, he can find you up a holler here in Moorhead to take you where he wants you to go at any time he wants you to go. Anytime. The kingdom of God has broken into our hearts and my prayer is that it will break into our cities all around us. I'm gonna close with this verse. Jeremiah 29, 11. They're in bondage. They're in captivity. They're living in a godless pagan society for the next 70 years. And you know what God says to them? For I know what I have planned for you, declares the Lord. I have plans to prosper you. I don't wanna harm you. I have plans to give you a future filled with hope. So the next time you hear that verse or somebody reads that verse, remember, these people were in bondage for 70 years when God told them this. So I'm just gonna trust. If I'm in a city I don't wanna be in, if I'm in a place I don't want to think I thought I would be here for this long, while I'm here, I know he knows my plans. He's not here to harm me. 
He's got hope for me because I'm his a daughter or I'm his son. I'm going to ask you to bow your heads. Two invitations quickly. One, if you don't know what your purpose is, it may be because you don't know the one who created you, Jesus. Maybe for you, this morning, God has worked in your life, revealed his son to you, and that you need to repent of your sins and give your life to Jesus. Because you feel like maybe I've been in Babylon my whole life. I made too many mistakes. There's no way God can save me or change me. Listen to me. You're not here this morning by mistake. I can go as far as say you're not here in this city by mistake, but watch this. You're not even here this morning. God woke you up. God drawed you here because he has a word for you. And I pray that you would receive whatever he spoke to your heart. If you're here and you never put your faith in Jesus, you can right now. You could cry out to him. You could say, Jesus, I believe. I believe you came for me. I believe you died for me. And I believe you got up out of the grave for me. And as best as I know how, I repent of my sin. And I put all my faith and trust in you. Now help me follow you for the rest of my life. At that you, just in a moment, host is gonna come out and they're gonna share with you your next steps. We wanna know so we can rejoice with you. Man, we have some awesome resources. We wanna help you get plugged in and get started. Don't, you don't walk alone when you walk with Jesus. And then second invitation is this. This Saturday coming, we're gonna, as a community of faith, we're gonna get out and we're gonna serve our city. From nine to 12, we got different locations. And we're gonna get out and we're just gonna be present in the city. We wanna serve our city. We haven't done this in a while. Some of it's been through COVID restrictions in the past couple years. But now everything's back open. We wanna get out and we wanna bless our city. Y'all know sometimes we take up backpacks and we're generous to our city. This time we want to be hands and feet. If you're able to participate and love to be part of that, awesome. If you're gonna be out of town and you're not gonna be here, you don't have to have an event scheduled by a church to bless your city. Go get involved. Call an organization. How can I help you? What can I do? You see a need, meet the need. The reason why you see it is I believe that God wants you to do something about it. And watch this, see God, watch this, little by little, bless the city. For as it prospers, so will you. Father, thank you so much for your word. Thank you for how relevant it is. Thank you, God, that even when we blow it and mess up and feel like sometimes we're in the wrong place, but there's a reason that you brought us here. That you will always guide and direct us, that you do, Lord, know the plans that you have for every one of us. And what my prayer is that we'll all fulfill your, your will, your will and your purpose for our life. Lead and guide and direct us as a community of faith in Ashland, Grayson, Moorhead, and wherever cities or people are from or watching to bless them, to make a difference, to reveal who you are and your glory. For it's your name I ask and I pray, amen.